Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Mark Helsmead is off this week. I'm Andrew Jansen. This week, we are going to be interviewing Tom Smith, the world's fastest filter. He's been making music since 1985 in a genre that most people probably aren't familiar with. He joins us by Zoom call from Michigan. Hello, Tom, and thank you for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Now, I believe you're up in Ann Arbor. Is that right? Actually, Ypsilanti, which is right next to Ann Arbor. Oh, I've been living okay. in this area for about uh, 46 years. <laughs> That's three years longer than I've been alive. So, <laughs> But I imagine that given the, all the peculiar weather we've been having, it's probably hotter than heck up there, yeah? The current temperature, as a matter of fact, is uh, 89 degrees. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm down in Eau Claire, Wisconsin right now. We're at about 76 and cloudy. So, uh, Jealousy, jealousy. Now, just to give some of our listeners a bit of background here. I first came across your music probably, I want to say about 2000 or so, back in the days of Napster of all things. Mm-hmm. I had, in the early days of the web, stumbled across a website called the Swarthmore Filk Archive. <laughs> and they had a huge collection of lyrics, which got me introduced to people like Leslie Fish and Julia Eklar. And so when Napster became a thing, I started looking for music like that. And then I stumbled across your music. And I was like, I got to buy this guy's CDs because I really like his music. And so fast forward to 2023 and my boss goes on vacation and he's like, why don't you interview somebody whose music you like? And I thought of Tom Smith. So I guess my first question is maybe you can help some of our listeners who are probably more familiar with standard folk with a brief explanation of what filk is as a genre. I'd be glad to. Filk it's a few different things. The first thing it actually is, is a genre of music. And what that genre is based on is science fiction conventions in in the 40s and 50s, as they started to actually become a thing, would have people after hours up in their hotel rooms, one or two people with guitars, and five or six other people hanging out, and they would be singing their own lyrics to classic folk songs, instead of like the, uh, the streets of Laredo, they'd have the space waves of Ganymede, that type of thing. And at some point, someone who was doing a, a folk fanzine, which, you know, back in the day, it wasn't a blog, it wasn't an online, you know, it wasn't a TikTok account or anything. It was an actual mimeographed, you know, with the purple ink on the fingers and everything, printed out thing. Somebody misspelled folk, trying to describe this. They misspelled it as filk. And uh, Karen Anderson, the wife of author Paul Anderson, said, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, filk, okay. And it's stuck. And it's gone from a few people in a few hotel rooms to uh, nearly two dozen conventions around the world every year, including the big one, which is the Ohio Valley Filk Fest in Columbus every October, which has got about 300, 325 people, half of whom are musicians. And, <laughs> and oh boy, do we play. <laughs> it's crazy. We once had like, like an 80-person guitar army doing a cover of White Rabbit. It was amazing. <laughs> the second thing Filk is, besides that, is a verb. 
That is to say, if I did a parody of something, I'd say, yeah, I filked that song. Weird Al actually has done a number of filk songs. He doesn't count himself as part of the filk community because of the third thing, which is to say, filk is a community of all the people who either perform this or enjoy this. We're very, very close and very tight-knit, and we care about each other a whole lot, and we support each other as much as possible. And, you know, anybody's welcome. One of the things about filk is that anybody at all can come in and listen. Anybody at all can come in and perform. And it's kind of intimidating for some people because some places like that, you get the folks who, how should we say this, they work a lot on their lyrics, they work a lot on getting the idea that they want to share with the world, the, you know, it's like art, okay, it's literally like art. With fan art, you can put it up in the art show, or put it online. With fanfic, you can put it online. You know, somebody can look at it, somebody can read it, but once it's posted, you don't have to do anything. The trick with filk is somebody probably you, has got to perform it. And a lot of people have just barely got everything together that they can, I, I can get in front of people, I really can, I can do this, it's okay. And they haven't worked on any performance skills. And all that will come with time. It's like any other skill. It'll, it'll happen. And it's you know, really awesome watching some people go from nothing, you know, almost no skills at all, to polished performers and songwriters. I've done that myself. <laughs> I've been doing this since 1985. <laughs> so, and I was lousy when I started out. I was really, really bad, and I was doing funny songs, basically so that I figured if people were laughing, they wouldn't have the breath to chase me down and kill me. So... <laughs> Well, I guess it kind of leads into my next question, which kind of follows logically on, which is what were your influences in music growing up that kind of led you into Phil? Well, the obvious thing to start with is my mom was a nightclub singer in the Detroit area. Okay. <laughs> I met Rich Little. I met Buddy Rich. I met uh, Woody Woodbury. I met a few people like that. It was great. Buddy Rich gave me three drum lessons when I was a kid. My mom was a singer. My dad was a dancer and also a singer and also an accordion player. And... They tried everything. They got me drum lessons. And my dad tried to teach me to tap dance, which I really wish I'd taken, because I, I would love to be able to dance like that. You know, taught me piano, taught me organ, taught me accordion. Nothing took. <laughs> Not a single thing. <laughs> Until in 1985, at a, um, a store here uh, in Ann Arbor that doesn't exist anymore called the Treasure Mart, I got a $25 guitar. And then I went down the street to a used bookstore and picked up a couple of Mel Bay books. And except for like one little finger picking lessons from a friend, I'm pretty much self-taught. And I've gotten up to an intermediate stage of rhythm guitarist. I'm pretty good at rhythm guitar. I'm a lousy finger picker, but I can do enough to get the songs across. And that's really all that's important as far as I'm concerned. What I, I've always liked best about your music was your lyrics. I think you're a really excellent songwriter. Thank you. Thank you very kindly. I happen to think that's my greatest strength, too. I like pulling you know, weird stuff out of the air and putting it into a song. A lot of my songs are basic, I admit it. I try doing new and interesting things now and then, and sometimes it works, and sometimes you guys never hear them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Also, when I was growing up, I had a lot of exposure to music and musicals. Okay, mm. my, my grandmother had a vast collection of show tune albums, first movie that I actually saw in a physical, in a physical theater was Mary Poppins and mm. you know, dad went outside to smoke or something. So I just stayed over and watched it twice. I thought it was great. I got the soundtrack <laughs> album. I basically badgered them. Please, please, please give me the soundtrack album. For Played it to death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of musicals. I'm a big fan of classical music. My default radio station is, is our local classical and jazz station. I love folk. I love rock and roll. Jim Steinman, the songs that he wrote for Meatloaf, Billy Joel, 
nowadays, Pink, mm. who's just phenomenal. So many influences. Music has been a, a part of my life as long as I've been around. I can totally relate. I mean, when I was probably, I want to say three or four, the LP that was constantly on the record player was the Muppet Movie soundtrack album. That Oh, yeah, I went through that one, too. <laughs> that and the soundtrack to Cats and 1776, the Broadway production, not the movie version. Right. Those were kind of like the soundtrack of my childhood. Those three mm -hmm. albums were like my absolute favorites back when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah a similar, similar thing. Because as I say, I had the Mary Poppins soundtrack. <laughs> I also had an album which you can pick up on Apple, because I did a couple of years ago. And I can't remember the precise name right now. I could go look it up. But the gist of it is, you know, it's a Disney album called Scary Sounds of the Haunted Mansion. Mm. Okay? And it's all kind of sound effects. Uh, on one side, it's sound effects, and on the other side, it's little stories leading up to some sound effects that basically count as jump scares. Uh, <laughs> of all kind of scary stuff. The stuff they used in the Haunted Mansion, you know, the ride. I also was a big fan of Impressionists, the copycats. Rich Little, John Biner, and oh, Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin, I consider to be the best one, and he's one of my idols up there with Jim Henson, because he was the one who was truly an actor, as well as an Impressionist. He, and, he and, played the Riddler on the old corny Batman show, didn't he? And it's, and, and it's got... You've seen the Batman movie? Yeah. One of the purest acting moments I've ever seen is when they think they've shot down the Batcopter with a stray missile from their submarine. And they're all laughing and jumping and capering and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, Frank Gorshin stops and turns his profile to the camera. And with this incredible wonder in his voice, he goes, I got him. <laughs> you know, go, go, go back and look at that. That is a man who suddenly realized his life dream and didn't expect it. <laughs> Before we go any further, I should remind people that if they want to hear Tom's music, the best place to do it is probably tomsmith.bandcamp.com. That's where I believe you've got all of your latest songs, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, the latest, latest ones are on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash filkertom. But I'm actually, uh, later this week, going to put all the things that I haven't put up from that page onto the Bandcamp page. So, <laughs> Right. And I noticed this when I looked at the songs that you send in, and people will probably get a sense of this as we go further on, but they're a little bit different than some of your earliest stuff. I am best known for my comedy. Okay. Mm. No question about that. A lot of people have told me how much they like my serious songs, so I do serious songs too. It's all great. I have a lot of fun doing both of them. But for this particular thing, you were talking about the kind of things that really spoke to me. You, yes. you, you were talking about the songs that spoke to my heart. And I decided against putting in A Boy and His Frog, which is the uh, elegy I wrote for Jim Henson just a couple days after he passed away, because it's too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> that was also my first standing ovation. That was, that was wild. I literally wrote that on the big staircase in the uh, Hyatt Regency Columbus at Marcon, mm. uh, like three days after he passed, and sang it through a couple times un until I could do it without breaking up. And then I went down and sang it, broke up again, and the entire place, which was all morning Jim Henson as well, well, took to it extremely, extremely well. I would just like to say briefly that that song in particular very much helped me personally come to terms with my father's death, which had happened a few years before I had heard this, your song, but it did help me. I am glad. I am glad. It was my dad's favorite song of mine. So. <laughs> I can certainly see why. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, why don't we get to your first song that you want our listeners to hear? Okay. You sent me four, I believe. Uh -huh. Which one do you want us to listen to first? Oh, that's a good question. I think starting off with Contessa. 
Colts. You are about to hear a really lovely piece of music by Tom Smith. I don't want to spoil it for you, so we'll just go right into Contessa. Completed my first book On Italian small farm olive oil One more interview And the project was through I was ready to see my home soil The farmhouse was sprawling and rustic But a princess opened the door some years after the ball, no Prince Charming would call, yet I saw all she'd been and then more. And she laughs when I call her Contessa, and I watch her work all afternoon. What she's chosen demands that her pale slender hands become weathered and careworn too soon. And the lines of her face speak of privilege and grace But she talks to me like an old friend And as we blather on, soon the daylight is gone And I don't want the evening to end Every day brings the scorn of her fellows Those who should join her in the old ways They've abandoned their arts for machines with steel parts that make oil in hours, not days. As time passes, we speak less of oil, sometimes not even speaking at all. And she eyes me bemused, but she does not refuse when I offer to help through the fall. And she laughs when I call her Contessa And each night I hear her family's tale Of their triumphs and tears Over hundreds of years And how frightened she is she might fail And I shake my head saying something foolish And she smiles at my schoolboy charms and we're both so surprised by the light in our eyes As we fall into each other's arms One day my first draft reached the office With a letter in which I resigned Whatever I'd looked for while writing a book Turned out not to be what I would find now I study the grape and the olive I study the climate and lands And what I don't know she will patiently show With her weathered and beautiful hands And she laughs when I call her Contessa But she's grateful I do all the same she has much to do yet, and she will not forget all the strength of her family name. And machines do the work on the big farms. They sell much more oil than she. But she sells enough, 
and their hands aren't as rough as an artisan's hands ought to be. My aging princess and her careworn caress, my lovely Contessa and me. That was Contessa by Tom Smith. Which one of your albums was that from, Tom? I think it was one of the iTom albums. Oh, it, it was one of the, uh, yeah, um, uh, uh, iTom 3, True Love Waits, which is, uh, <laughs> the title song is, yeah, the title song of that is, is effectively a Tom Waits riff. I was trying very hard to write like him, and that particular song is about the movement to maintain your chastity hmm. before you get married. I see. Contessa, however, is rather different from that. Rather different from that. A little bit of backstory. Sure. As mentioned, I'm in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti area. I lived in Ann Arbor for a long time. Uh, Ipsy is right next to it, so I'm still, you know, this is, this is home. <laughs> okay. On the far side of town, there is a place called Zingerman's Delicatessen. Zingerman's is one of the most famous and, to my mind, one of the best delis in the world. I was living a block away when it opened. I went over there on my third day and was astonished. And it was it was practically nothing then. It was just a really good deli then. But over the last umpty um years, they have grown into a worldwide powerhouse of food and foodie nurturing. <laughs> They import lots of stuff. They have their own bakery. They have their own creamery uh, to make their own cheese. They have their own ranch out here that they finance so that they can get the best cuts of meat. That kind of thing. Okay? <laughs> They've become the Zingerman's family of businesses. And they have a newsletter every month. The newsletter these days is mostly ads for everything. Sure. But for the longest time, okay, we're talking like 20, 25 years, one of the owners, Ari, and it is Weinswing, I can't remember his last name, would tell the stories of the food. Mm. He'd go into great detail about the people who made it and under the conditions they made it and how they competed with larger businesses and which particular cheeses had the best flavor and which particular vinegars. And it was absolutely fascinating. And it definitely turned me into a foodie. I mean, I was a picky eater as a kid, but you know, now anything, bring me anything. <laughs> and one of the stories he wrote was about this woman who runs an olive farm mm. in Italy, and she works very hard to come up with the best product. It's a legacy thing. You know, her family's been doing it for a long time. She gets a lot of guff from the men in the area about how she does her, her job. And of course, a lot of them have also sold out to the larger companies, so they use more modern pressing equipment, which doesn't give as good results, but they get more of it, so they get bigger sales. So this huge, long story was all about Ari going to visit this woman, and it sounded to me like he was stone in love with her, mm. and that's the basis of the song. <laughs> <laughs> the basis of somebody who goes, I'm going to go do a book or a newspaper article, and ends up staying. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, it's a beautiful piece. Be Thank absolutely you. beautiful piece. Thank you. Fortunately, Ari likes it. So. <laughs> well, that's always always a good thing. Yeah. I wanted to maybe guide us into another one of your songs here, because of the songs you sent, there was only one that I hadn't heard before, mm -hmm. and that was Online Ghost. Ah, uh, yeah. It, I could kind of relate to that experience a bit, because 
during the recent COVID unpleasantness, I had a couple of distant family members <clears throat> passed from it. And I didn't know about that because there was still some stuff online. Yeah. And it was a really weird feeling. And I've had the also in the past year, the weird experience of Facebook recommending that I become friends with someone who I know for a fact has passed. Yep. And it's a slightly creepy thing. And so I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about that song and then we can listen to it. Absolutely. The song itself was born from an article on Daily Coast, if I remember correctly. But the gist of it was that somebody had passed away and their website was still there. Mm -hmm. And it was very disconcerting to go to it because of that. Yeah, a few years ago, and, and you know, remember, this is back in uh, 2007 that I wrote this. Okay, there was a diary at Daily Coast about a serviceman who'd been killed in Iraq, but his MySpace page lived on because he was the only one with the password to access it. And he was building a post-mortem community of people who had not had a chance to mourn him and were commenting because it was all they could do. I see that on Facebook all the time. Somebody passes away, and all of a sudden, there's, you know, a few or a dozen or dozens or hundreds that are like, oh my goodness, this person passed away. Oh no, oh no. And some of the pages are not set to memorial by the family. So you get those birthday notices. Yeah. <laughs> you get those things come around. Hey, uh, wish, you know, wish Jim a happy birthday. Well, I would if he could take the call. And yeah, it's disconcerting because you've also got all of their family that you know or friends and they're all there and everybody's kind of uncomfortable and the longer it goes on, the more people there are who are part of this community. And it's, I know it helps some of them a lot. And others, it just, it doesn't quite break them, but it, it makes them feel so bad because it keeps getting put in front of them. And it's like, okay, yeah, here, here, have somebody set the page to memorial. We can't, we don't know the password. Oh, and so it's going to keep going on. Yeah. I mean, my last surviving grandparent passed this February, and my mother and stepfather are both dealing with end-of-life issues. Yeah. And one of the things that we have to think about now in the 2020s that people didn't have to think about is in your end-of-life planning, make sure you've got your passwords written down somewhere so that your family can wind up your online presence. Yep. It's one of those things that, I mean, I know I should be thinking about it myself. I'm not that old, but my doctor just started me on statins and I'm looking at a prescription for bifocals next time I get new glasses. So I should probably start planning things a little bit. <laughs> there was a song that I wrote for the funny music project called Cheap Ass Cyborg. That was. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I remember that one. Well, folks, we're going to listen to Tom Smith's song, Online Ghost, about the disconcerting experience of how our electronic ghosts hang around. Here it is, Online Ghost. Explain why you shipped off to hell. Now every day, the same refrain. He served his country well. I tried to set aside my rage. I tried to let it be. But one day I found the wrong web page and saw you smile at me. An electric echo is all that's there. And all that I'll probably get And 
I didn't expect I'd have to share you with the internet This isn't what I wanted, but it's more than most How long will I be haunted by your online ghost? The tinny speakers began to blare an Alan Jackson song there were pictures of you over there Like nothing had gone wrong A blog about where you had been As much as was allowed Of how you'd soon be going in To make all of us proud Your voice and smile are frozen there Where anyone can see even if I could, would it be fair to keep you just for me? We hadn't talked in your last days, but now I've got this post. A fluke of the MySpace maze got me your online ghost. Of course I really have no choice, I go back now and then to see your face, to hear your voice, to just remember when. I used to fear you were alone, wherever you might be. But now I fear that you have grown your own community. Every day another joins the ranks of pages that won't change. Some people say I should give thanks for that much But that's deranged Cause to have you here with me is what I want the most The world will never see more than your online ghost Tom Smith's song, Online Ghosts. I'd like to remind our listeners that you're listening to Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org, where you can find all of our programs available for listening and download. We are currently standing at close to 18 years of programs, which, through the math, works out to nearly 1,200 episodes between our two programs, Spirit in Action, Song of the Soul. We're also available to be heard on various community radio stations around the country, currently about 35 to 45 changes depending on the week around the country, including several in uh, Michigan. And I'd also like to remind people that this program is full-time work and it is funded by your donation. We do not take money from corporations or government. You're entirely listener-funded. So if you have a spare shuckle in your pockets, please uh, consider donating to us. But also, if you live in an area with a community radio station, please donate to them as well. Be it time or money, because we desperately need alternative perspectives on news and music. That was Online Ghost by Tom Smith. And now, Tom, is that on an album, which is, I know, a loaded concept 
in the mm-hmm. <laughs> I have it on iTom 4 Smith and Legend, which is available at the Bandcamp site you mentioned earlier, tomsmith.bandcamp.com. <laughs> While I take some physical CDs to conventions, online sales at this point are pretty much restricted to downloads, which I find works pretty well for everybody. Some people like having the physical backup, and I don't like providing it to them, but if they get something off Bandcamp, yeah, they got it. <laughs> sure. I mean, we used to provide copies of our programs on CD. Mark, who is our founder and my boss is currently on a working vacation. He's traveled to the Friends General Conference gathering in, I believe it's Portland this year. And in the past, he would take CDs to share to people attending the convention. But over the last few years, it just hasn't been practical to do because people don't even have CD players anymore. I actually uh, used to have T-shirts and they weren't worth it. They weren't worth the effort of carrying them around. <laughs> They were very pricey, and they were very heavy, and nope. <laughs> I mean, you've been in this business since the days when albums were released on cassette, I believe. Uh, yes, actually, my first two uh, first two albums were released on cassette. My uh, third album was released on uh, cassette and CD, and after that, it's been CD all the way. Up until the end of physical media. Mm-hmm. Well, I, like I say, I'm still doing physical media. There's a company called Konaki that I uh, I was recommended uh, to it by Mark Gunn, the Kilt Father, who's been you know doing music almost as long as I have, and one of the uh, most popular bloggers on the planet. And they're basically a remote CD burner into overdrive because I can say, okay, give me a hundred of these, and it's okay, send it back. You know, I can't make any mistakes. It's a very automated process, so I have to check my spelling on everything right. But that way I actually have merch to bring to conventions, which is a, a very profitable thing at something like Dragon Con. Sure. Down in Atlanta every Labor Day weekend is is like they get out of the concert and on the way out of the concert, hey, there's the Tom Smith store. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Which now you've got me thinking of your song, Tom Smith Disease, which is a very convention-oriented song from <laughs> early albums. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I've, if you haven't heard it, the song Tom Smith Disease is based on a wonderful little fact I found out one day that in 1874, at St. Bartholomew's Hospital in uh, London, the same hospital where ostensibly Holmes met Watson, Mm. There was a doctor who was working on children's diseases, and specifically an arthritis that struck children between the ages of like six months and two years. Mm. And it was called Tom Smith's Arthritis. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you wake up in the morning and you find out that you've got a child maiming bone disease after you, it tends to color the rest of the day. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So... Now, I'm sure our listeners have probably noticed that your music has got quite a bit of orchestration, but I happen to know from your uh, website that you use something called Band in a Box. Could you explain a little bit about that? Band in a Box is a program that (laughs) it doesn't get much respect in the music community, which is uh, I, I find very annoying, because what the program does is you put in the chords to a song. Mm-hmm. You put in a musical style, reggae, blues, rock and roll, whatever it might be. You know, they've, they've got a lot of them. And you click play, and the program generates auto accompaniment for you. Gives you drums, gives you piano, gives you bass, gives you guitar, gives you strings, or other similar instruments in the same kind of spots. Okay, sometimes they have sure. two or three guitars, sometimes they have uh, an electric piano, sometimes the drums are, uh, are more like shaker and tambourine, that kind of thing. Sure. And... I think a lot of people think of it as cheating, and I don't, especially since about the time that I was doing the iTom albums, okay, they cracked how to get 
drums, real recorded drums, into everything. And about two years after that, they cracked how to get real recordings of actual instruments into everything. So that when you get band in a box now, okay, what you actually have is you have a bunch of very good session players playing your music. Hmm. And it's so much easier than trying to program every damn thing. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I can do it, but it takes a long time. <laughs> And yeah. this, okay, put in all the chords, adjust it, adjust, 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 okay, we got everything all lined up, everything works, click, boom, and I export that to uh, my chosen digital audio workstation, which is Reaper, and work on it uh, from there. It struck me that it's interesting to think about, given all of the controversy over AI-generated content that's come up, and mm -hmm. yet this program, I know, has been around for quite a long time. It has. It's, it's been around for a heck of a long time. I don't think of it as an AI program, okay? It's got a method of randomizing audio clips within a certain key, so that if you say that the chord on this bar is C, then you got like six or seven choices of which one it'll play. But it's not AI, it's following your chord structure, whatever you put in there. It's not just making stuff up. They've got some elements in there to try and make stuff up. Doesn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> but using it as a background for something, no. It's very easy and, and you know a lot of fun, and you get some really good results these days because, as I say, they've got like, I don't know, 2,200 different what they call real tracks, which are the, the live recordings of instrumentalists, and some of them are like very famous session musicians from Nashville and, and Los Angeles and things like that, people like Brent Mason, and... You can blend so many different instruments. In some cases, you get like very simple folk. In others, you can actually get like a string quartet. There's big band. There's uh, hip hop. Any dang thing you can think of, pretty much. And also, considering the last few years we've lived through with COVID, it strikes me as a really handy tool to have in the box when you can't actually go out and be with another musician. Mm -hmm. There is another solution to that, which has been uh, lurking in the background. I have no idea how much it's taken off, okay? But it very well might have when I wasn't looking. There are online several different browser-based mm. DAWs, uh, digital audio workstation, that allow you to collaborate with people at a distance. So, yeah. That's really cool, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have listened to the interviews of several other musicians, folk musicians of various stripes, who managed to make their way through the pandemic doing, like, Facebook meet concerts and things like mm -hmm. that. And for a lot, an awful lot of the people who have been interviewed on Song of the Soul, a big part of their lives before 2020 and the pandemic was things like house concerts. Mm-hmm. And then 2020 comes, and all of a sudden, what do you do then? It's exactly. a big thing for so many of the people we've had on this show. Mm -hmm. No, I've done several online concerts myself because of that. I, I don't do house concerts anymore. And uh, I'm actually planning a couple others by the end of the summer, if I can help it. And there are regular gatherings as well, or at least semi-regular. Uh, a friend of mine out in Denver, who goes by the sober kid, Blind Lemming Chiffon, has been running the Festival of the Living Rooms for a couple years now. And what that does is that starts on Friday afternoon, and it goes all the way through Sunday evening. And, you know, wedges in like 20 concerts from different people around the planet. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, all, all, all part of the film community. But it's like, yeah, you start, you know, turn that on. It's like, go all night, go all weekend. So we've got two more songs to get through. So I believe we discussed moving on to the Bear song. Oh, yes, the bear. <laughs> Here's a little background about the song before we listen to it. My best friend in the world's mom gave both my best friend 
and me these stuffed bears. Basically what happened is we went over to her mom's house and she had this stuffed bear that she'd got at uh, Sam's Club. Mm. And it was like so adorable. It was like this little, you know, snow bear. It, was, it looked like a husky dog, except it was a bear. And I went, oh, I love the bear. Oh, what a cute bear. And the next time that we went over, she had two more, one for each of us. Oh. <laughs> and those bears have gone with us to Disney World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've taken them to conventions. And one day I just, uh, I was trying to figure out something to write for the iTime series, and I thought, okay, what if this couple is breaking up and they fight over the bear? <laughs> <laughs> So the reason why you decided to include the song is because of that connection to the bear, your bear. My bear, who I, who I still have right by my bed. <laughs> well, folks, we're going to be listening now to Take Your Hands Off the Bear by Tom Smith. Well, this is it. The day it ends. Day we say goodbye You know I'd hoped that we'd stay friends But you won't even try You've gone through my possessions Claiming everything in sight Stuff I got when you weren't with me But you know, I just won't fight Cause it's worth it to be rid of you You can strip the walls and floors But there's one thing you're not getting There's one thing that's not yours you can have my new computer and my favorite easy chair But there's no way you're getting my stuffed bear Take your hands off Mr. Gumpus, he don't belong to you And I don't want him traumatized just because we're through I've had him since I was a kid before you were even there so take your hands off the bear You can take my games and comic books And every DVD You can take my leather trench coat That looks all matrixy You can take my amplifier And my classic Fender bass you can take an anvil to the skull or a smack upside the face But get your hands off Mr. Gumpus before you leave for good Oh and by the way he hugs me better than you ever could You'd complain when he would shed on you like your cat has no hair So take your hands off the bear of bear that you don't see anymore The kind of bear that you don't buy from a store Whenever I would talk to him you'd laugh at me and nod and slowly back away like I was doing something odd Well at last our time is over and I guess it's just as well I'd say don't let the door hit you, but I hope it hurts like hell. And as we part, I'm wondering what you ever saw in me. There's a lump beneath your jacket. Mr. Gumpus, where is he? Take your hands off, Mr. Gumpus. Now we're brawling in the street. 
And I didn't know you could punch that hard or that you had such quick feet. But you're trying to steal my childhood and it really isn't fair. So take your freaking hands off the bear. Mr. Gumpus is between us and we've both got a good grip. And of course, this is the point where Mr. Gumpus starts to rip. But I won't risk that. I let him go. You laugh in victory. And Mr. Gumpus comes to life and runs right back to me. You thought you owned Mr. Gumpus, but he can't be owned at all. He's been my bestest magic friend since I was three feet tall. You can break my heart and take my stuff, but there's one thing you can't share. So keep your freaking hands off the bear. And when I go to sleep tonight, my bed will not be cold. Mr. Gumpus will stay with me, and he won't let me get old. For whatever you and I once had, really can't compare. To the love of a boy for his stuffed bear. Good night, Mr. Compass. Sweet dreams. And that was Take Your Hands Off the Bear. Tom Smith, which uh, I Tom was that from? I think it was uh, I Tom Two Transitions. <laughs> Transition. Now we are Song of the Soul, and that does not necessarily mean any particular flavor of spirituality, so much as it does meaning. And this is the part of the program where we ask our uh, interviewees about what do they believe, or what gives their life meaning. And so that's the question I put to you, Tom. What is the source of meaning for you? I believe in the goodness of people. I really do. I believe that most people mean well and try to do well. They may not necessarily know how to do well, and they may have been misled by others who have ulterior motives. Sure. But I've, I've gotten it down to the point at this point where there are people... No, there's two kinds of people, okay? There's those who think of others and want to help others and those who don't care. Yeah. And if I can help it, I'm always going to be on the, on, on the side of the one <laughs> right. because I just, uh, you know, we grew up poor. I'm still hardly a, uh, a magnate of any type. Sure. Uh, you know, I've seen way too many people uh, oppressed and I've seen way too many people hurt. And when I was a kid, <laughs> the joke I tell is that I was raised first Lutheran and then Methodist, and therefore I worship ways to kill Superman. <laughs> but <laughs> I grew up Presbyterian myself, and then Quaker. So, and mm -hmm. now I don't. I personally don't have any strong feelings about what comes after beyond that. I personally think Quaker belief that there's the light of God in every one of us. Mm -hmm. is a good way to live your life that's also pretty compatible with, uh, I think it was actually J. Michael Straczynski, the guy who created Babylon 5 in an interview, said that he was a pacifist because he was an atheist. That since this is what we've got, it behooves us to not make it 
unpleasant for everyone around us. Absolutely. Which I think leads us into the final song we're going to be listening to. Mm-hmm. The Here and Now. Oh, what a song. I wrote this basically because at an early age, I became an atheist. I was very, very big into science as a kid. And the Sunday school teachers had no idea how to deal with, with a seven, eight, nine year old, however old I was, kid who was asking them about carbon 14 dating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know. And my mom was fairly devout when I was a kid and became more devout as she got older. And the last third of her life, which she spent out in uh, Arizona, she would go to church every week, she would sing. She'd been smoking for so long that it had destroyed her voice. Going out to Arizona, stopping smoking, and getting into the church, got back her singing voice, mm. which was astounding to me. And so I will do my best never to rag on a church if I can help it. But I find churches aren't as effective as faith. Well, faith is just faith in something. It's believing in something. Churches, churches want your money. <laughs> churches want your real estate. <laughs> Churches want your vote these days, which, uh, you know, is pretty freaking awful. It is. And, and my mom used to always say, I'd pray for you. You know, whenever I was sick, you know, if I had a cold, uh, if I was going for a job interview, whatever it might have been. And I finally wrote this song in an attempt to reconcile what she believed with what I believe. Yeah. And if it does that for anybody, if it helps them find their way, then my time on earth has been well spent. <laughs> if I can comfort somebody with this, I am well pleased. I, I mentioned that at the beginning of the program that my grandmother passed this year, and she was both very much a very religious person, or I should say perhaps a very faithful person, but at the same time, she was a huge fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> she loved reading about science. Um, she mm -hmm. had trained as a home economics teacher, and she lived her life with both faith and science as equal partners in it, and at the very end, she made a, a conscious choice that she was going to see what came next. <laughs> and I gotta say that I can only hope that when I get to be her age, and she was 93, 94, something like that, that I have the same courage she did. I bet you will, because <laughs> you'll have that example in mind. I, I don't know it yet. It's really funny because I'm an absolute, not kidding around, atheist. On the technical level, I'm going, eh, there's not going to be anything after. It's going to be nothing. It's going to be ended. And then the rest of me kind of wants there to be something for exactly the same reason. I want to see it. I want to mm -hmm. see what's next. I want to find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, we're going to end our interview with Tom with his song, The Here and Now. I think it's going to be an interesting experience for all of you folks. Certainly, this interview has been an interesting experience for me, finally getting to talk to somebody I've admired for a very long time. Oh. <laughs> I want to thank you, Tom, for joining me today for Song of the Soul. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And we'll see you folks next week on Song of the Soul. Here is a here and now. Welcome, friends. Welcome once again to the Atheist, Agnostic, Humanist, Realist, Old Time, Down Home Gospel Hour. Amen. Amen. My friends, I am here to bring you the good news. The good news! That this is a beautiful and dangerous and mysterious world we live in. Now there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we may never know. There may be a heaven. 
There may be a hell, there may be a devil, there may be a god, but there ain't no proof. No hardcore science, no roadmap of the stars to the pearly gates, no interview with Gabriel in Hot Archangels Monthly. We got to take it all on faith, and that's a little difficult for some of us. You hear about free will, you hear about making your own choice, and you'd like just a little bit of proof. And at some point you realize there may not be no proof of coming. And at that point you realize there may not be a heaven. There may not be a hell, there may not be a devil, there may not be a god. And you say to yourself, well what am I doing here? If there ain't a god, what am I doing here? What is my purpose in life? I am here to tell you that your purpose in life is exactly the same either way. If there's a God, your purpose is to live, to help people, to make the world a better place. And if there's not a God, your purpose is to live, to help people, to make the world a better place. Now I know that some of you out there want there to be a God for a very different reason. Because you feel alone. Because without God it's a big, bad, scary, random universe out there. Let me tell you right now, it's a big, bad, scary, random universe out there with God. Bad stuff happens. Good stuff happens. Stuff happens! If it doesn't happen, you're dead. But, here's the important part. You are not alone. You are not alone. You got a family of six billion right here with you. You think they don't know your troubles? You think they don't know your heart? They know yours as well as they know their own. You think the world ain't a scary place for them? It's a scary place for everybody. But it is also a fantastically beautiful place. And it's the only place we know for sure we've got. So it is our duty, our purpose in life, our reason to be, to make this the best of all possible worlds. Let me tell ya. So they say, and he did it in only seven days. But they can't tell you if those days were short or long. And they think their God is threatened if the dates are wrong. God made Adam, God made, Adam. God made Eve, God made kicked them out of Eden because they were deceived. That snake. They had children. One was good, one skunk. Cain killed Abel, then got married. Where'd his wife come from? There's all these little problems where the story doesn't jive. If God created all of us, why single out one tribe? Why weren't there any dinosaurs on Noah's floating zoo? Why tell us all these fairy tales when we got stuff to do? We've got the world, the here and now. Happen, it's only natural to ask how. ask how There's no reason to trust mythology The world right here and now is enough for me Alright God made commandments God made rules God said to build a better life These are the tools He said the first four are to worship me If you don't you will be tortured for eternity But what if this world is all there is What if when you die there ain't no final quiz 
heaven Well, that's all right with me We'll make it heaven here on earth Just wait and see Why punish us forever For an arbitrary rule? Why set us up for failure? Does God have to be so cruel? Why give us all these instincts For committing mortal sins? Why give us all these ways to lose Before the game begins? We've got the world The here and now There may be nothing out I care of Or the town But I've got present Responsibility The world right here and now Is enough for me And they're the most important parts We don't need threatening To tell what's right from wrong Just mind your business Clean things up and get along The world is filled with wonderment And beauty near and far And trying to understand it Is just being who we are If there's a God He told us that the world He made was ours We're almost done exploring here The next stop is the stars We've got the world here and now, and we're gonna reach the heavens somehow. It's up to us to fulfill our destiny. The world right here and now is enough for me. That's right, we got the world. The here and now, and you know we're gonna make it somehow. Find God within you. The rest comes naturally. Right here and now is enough for me. I say the world right here and now is enough for me. That's right, the world right here and now is enough for me. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.